UpZones is brought to you by Horizon Books, serving Seattle's book lover community for over 47 years with one of the best used book collections in the city. Come on down to Horizon Books, check out something on urban planning, something on zoning, something on redlining and racism in the past of this city and many others. Check out books on politics, civics, arts, Cascadia, that's a big one down at Horizon Books. And no matter what you do, mention UpZones at the register for a 10% discount today. Our sponsor is Horizon Books, and this is UpZones. You have to elect yourself daily. Things are changing. Things are changing. You can't say it, but you know it's true. To elect yourself Things are changing. To elect yourself. To elect yourself. Woo! You ever been married? I ask because uh, I guess I am now. That's right. Michelle and I got married this Friday. Courthouse. A couple close friends. I am extremely excited. I am marrying up, even though my beloved is only five foot two inches tall. You roll far enough into your 30s, you start to think, well, maybe this won't happen. But it did. And um, <laughs> I, I'm... I'm a married man and I'm thrilled about it and we're going to do a proper party in a couple months, but um, that, that, that's what I did this week is I, there's nothing I'll ever do the second week of July for the rest of my life that will have the same significance of <laughs> 2018. Yeah. So I, I got married. Anyway, this is just a long winded way of saying uh, bachelor party and all that stuff. You heard about that and, and now. Now this this little Jonesy Jones and I am once again late getting an episode out. When you're not paid a salary and you're not paying anyone else a salary, sometimes little teensy wincy things like getting married get in the way. Anyone else out there married? I'm sure you must be. Most of my listenership is in their 30s and 40s. You know what it's like. It just takes over. Sucks all the oxygen right out of the room. And then, uh, and then you're married. And it was just a b- delightful weekend I spent, Michelle and I. Some laid-back stuff, made some some plans for the for the formal wedding party, but also just really relaxed and chilled out. And uh, went to a Seattle Storm game last night. I've never done that. What a fun time! They they won a late couple shots there at the very end. So um, my streak of exciting sporting events continues and. Hopefully the the Seahawks will have a good season. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say about that. Um, this episode, I had the, the big honor and privilege and excitement and all those honorifics to speak with Erica Barnett, Erica C. Barnett, as you may know her. She has her pretty famous Seattle Issues uh, website, The C is for Crank, which we'll talk about what might perhaps have been a strategic error in URL choice on her part. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a great site. She, she basically covers the city council, city hall, and she does it with incisiveness. She doesn't have editors to please. I, I don't believe she has advertisers to please, uh, just donors. And um, I think her mission is great. She's done some amazing reporting. 
one thing that, that you know, uh, if you're listening to this show, that I dig into is some of the change resistant, especially in those kind of single family home ownership networks that thrive in the northern parts of our city and some of the coastal parts here. And she's just done some stellar reporting about uh, that culture and how it's really impacting S- Seattle, uh, the city. But she's just fun too, man. She 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 just she laughed at my jokes. I can't say that I I just like that. And uh, she uh, she's pretty funny herself. Um, I'm just gonna get right into it. I don't have much to say. I'm just too busy being married, I guess. That's the whole point. It's not policy. It's just making people laugh. Um, this is how this works. Just so you know what we're doing here. Chatting. So you don't like preparing questions. I get yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I'm no, kidding. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, for coming. Yeah. Appreciate it. Great. I got out of my house, which is 85 degrees right now. So. Jeez. Yeah. Well, is that a no, no AC thing? And I live on the top floor and uh, I have like a west facing window. So I have an amazing view. So I shouldn't bitch about it. Right. But there's downside to everything. Yeah. Cost benefits and cost to everything. Oh, what is your swearing policy? We just, just curse. Okay. We just. Okay. <laughs> just in case it we goes just, out. Yeah. We just curse. Yeah. So you grew up here? Are we here? recording? Oh, we've been recording for a while. Oh my God. <laughs> what have I said? No, I did not grow up here. I grew up um, in uh, Mississippi and in Houston. So okay. very, very different, kind yeah. of the opposite of here. And you went to school, but you went to... N- nope. Yeah. You really are doing the Mark Maron thing. Uh, All right. Am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Mark no, Maron? I, <laughs> I should do your research on that guy. <laughs> no, I went to school in Texas. I went to the University of Texas at Austin, studied philosophy. And then um, I worked out there for a while at this place called the Austin Chronicle, which is yeah. their like big behemoth alt yeah. weekly. Yeah. It's like the one alt weekly that's still doing really well. Right. Right. Um, and then I moved out here in 2001 to take a job at Seattle Weekly of all places. Interesting. Yeah. What was that like? You know, I don't know if you were here then. Were you around no. in? Okay. Not so it, in 03? No, 01. Yeah. 01. No, no, not yet. Right. So this was like, um, they were doing a lot of like resets at the time. And so one of the resets, I, I can't remember who owned them actually. I think it might've been Village Voice Media, but they did, they had this like, you should look it up. They had this like, um, cartoon network looking logo. And it was like supposed to be like funky. Let's and go. Let's look it up. It's it's like so. Just look up like Seattle Weekly 2001, and you'll see it. I mean, you'll laugh. It looks exactly like the Cartoon Network looked like at the time. So it's probably an out of date reference. But it was, you know, it was. There were actually some really um, good people there at the time. They hired um, the woman who hired me is um, a woman from Portland named Audrey Buskirk, and uh, and she was actually an, a really good editor, but. It was just kind of like they were trying to appeal to the kids at a time when like, but without the staff to do that. I mean, it was like a lot of older people on staff kind of covering like cranky older people subjects. But then kind of look like hella millennial or something like that. Well, millennials didn't even exist. Like I'm not even, I'm not a millennial. So we like, just had this conversation. <laughs> no, I'm definitely are, not. I was born in the su- 70s. Oh, okay. Millennials are surprisingly old, though. The oldest ones are damn near 40. I know. Yeah. I know. But yeah, I'm, I'm just at the very like youngest end of Gen X. Got so um, 
but yeah, so they brought me in and I was like, I mean, I was like 23 at the time, yeah, right? So gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, so I stayed there for a couple of years and then went to work with The Stranger. The Stranger, right? And that's yeah. how yeah, I've, I've known you from that as well. And you were there, I think it was very different. I think there's been a, uh, this is what I've kind of heard and then also experienced. There's been a move away from sort of standard, you know, progressive consensus reporting there. And it's much more about like, it's very, well, it's very identity politics driven, which is like not You're a talking about the stranger. Yeah, which yeah. is like not a critique at all. It's just a, it's just a shift in kind of what they're covering and how they're talking about it, which means that some of the economic issues don't always get covered in the same way. Yeah, I mean, when when I was there, like, I mean, of course, I think of it as like the glory days because like I really loved like the new staff that I w was with and. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were like much more, you know, I mean, we had a point of view cause it's an alt weekly and, you know, we were very like whatever quote unquote irreverent or whatever yeah. people called us. But yeah, I mean, I think it is really different. I think it shifted after, you know, after at some point after I left or was shifting when I decided to leave mm -hmm. towards much more like this is your opinion and then right, go write the piece. Right. And let's let's like kind of build the research and then yeah inform uh, and, and and like right. maybe you have like a bias toward like i would say i have a bias toward you know wanting to do good things for poor people and not <laughs> wanting to like privilege the already privileged and you know and believing in urbanism but right. like but i my approach when i go into a story isn't to like have an opinion of the person i'm writing the story about usually i mean right. there are exceptions but yeah, I think they I think they've shifted a lot more in that direction. And yeah, yeah. it's know. interesting. It's not... I mean, I think it's happening everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's maybe it's how you keep your your base or your readership. Or maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. To say. Well, and this is what made you decide to leave. I had. Well, I, honestly, I was uh, I got promoted because my uh, my really good friend, um, Josh Fight, who had been my boss, left. Um, and so I took his job and I mean, it was a combination of what we we're just talking about. A lot of like people sort of saying to me, you know, one of my four or five bosses saying to me, you need to have more reported opinions. And that's not what I think of journalism as. But it was also just like, I am sort of temperamentally unfit to be a manager of a bunch of people. I just, I did not like that. I that's hated it. What's like the, like, what do you tell someone who's a journalist who's, you know, 30, who's maybe, or 30 something. It's uh, too late. Who's, who's getting... <laughs> who's about to get promoted to manage other journalists, like, what do you tell them was the biggest thing you fucked up? Oh, um, I think that I, I mean, it's like so hard for me to say because I was so close to it and I still am. But like, I think what I didn't understand is that it's a lot, it's a lot more handholding and you have to be really inclined, like you have to be temperamentally inclined to be able to manage people and not just manage, like, not just edit. Like I thought editing was like, assigning stories like and a technical skill where you look at the words and you get, make them better or you even and check you the like, sources well and, and like and you sort of help shape the story and you say hey you need to call this kind of person or hey i think you need to go back to this person and ask them questions and that's like a big part of it but what i didn't realize was that like the other 80 percent of it is like managing personalities and journalists yeah, are yeah. assholes yeah i know i and, was one for a long time <laughs> yeah. yeah and like we're total assholes and like i would not want to manage me and yeah. um and i mean and the pride the ego that goes into it and yeah it, and like and i think i think people who can be editors are amazing i mean honestly like it's just that's just not my skill set especially like, if they all. came up out of being a journalist right that's just amazing that you can switch that switch yeah and what i would say is just like really know if that's what you want or if you just want it because it's going to be you're going to make more money mm -hmm. because like it's i mean to me it was not worth it 
I mean, you're not going to make that much more money, most likely, if you're, especially if you're doing local journalism, like most journalists actually do. It just, I don't know, just decide. And, and a lot of people are temperamentally fit for it. I just wasn't. I hated it. So you've seen a lot of the changes in the city. Like you've seen, you've kind of seen it. it, it every city is always changing, but the sort of unique changes in Seattle mm-hmm. in terms of like going from a mid-sized city to a growing and really almost large city and all of the shit that comes along with yeah. that. You've really been front row and it's front and center. Um, wh- wh- how has that impacted you though? Like rather than just writing about it, I mean, how's it impacting you as a, as a citizen? I mean, you know, I live in a less nice apartment that costs twice as much like everybody else. Yeah, like everybody else, yeah. But I mean, but also, you know, I mean, there are so many things. I was just, I used to live in Columbia City and um, I was down there the other night and I was saying like, this is amazing. Like there's a Pagliacci down here, Yeah. which I mean, like, as far as I know, they weren't going to come down there until there were a lot of signs of gentrification, yeah, yeah. you know, they're like people very there. careful. Yeah. But like, um, but I remember like when I lived there, we, there literally wasn't anybody who would deliver pizza there. And that's like such a like stereotypical, you know, like thing to, mm-hmm. to notice like, like, oh yeah, the pizza, pizza, com- you know, companies won't come here, but it was totally true. Now there's like, And I think that's becoming more the case everywhere that like, it's just more convenient. Like you can order a pizza, you can fly direct to places, which is like amazing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, huh? Like, I mean, the fact that I can fly back to Austin now direct instead of having to stop in like, you know, well, yeah, Yeah. like Las Vegas and Dallas is amazing. Yeah, Um, yeah. So like just the, just the convenience of being in a big city and having like sort of better food. I still don't think we're like the greatest food city in the world yet, but you know, and then, and yeah, like you said, I mean, the downside is that we live in boxes for twice as much money now. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Like I, I mean, I love, I actually love my apartment. I live on the top of an old house, but it's like, it's so run down. I had to learn to fix everything myself. And also I think when I moved here, I thought, Oh, I could maybe afford to buy a house here someday. Yeah. That's forget it. Oh, forget it. I mean, there's no way. Let's see when I moved to Issaquah. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe, but like, but also like the the other difference is like, because journalism has changed so much in that time, I'm a freelancer now and like, you know, nobody, nobody's going to lend money to me because like, I mean, just the whole industry has shifted so much. And like the fact that everybody's an independent contractor, like no matter what field they're in, it seems like, I mean, just, yeah, the whole world has changed a lot, but Seattle has definitely, I learned to drive a stick shift in, in South Lake Union. Because that was like the place where and there you was... could never do that now. No, they that... would run you off the road if you tried. Well, to no, do no. That. I mean, the, the, that was the place where that you could like you could just drive and like go over a curb and go into a parking lot, and it didn't matter because there right. was nothing there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, <laughs> and then Paul Allen bought it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting, though. I came a few years after you, but I came by the time I came, a lot of changes had already begun. Mm-hmm. You know, Belltown was a place people already lived. You know, by yeah. the time I got there, and. I have observed, I think, um, one of the animating forces of conflict in this city is people who don't want it to change. Yeah. Which is like, um, look, I'm not running for office, so I can, I don't have to placate them. Uh, sorry, right? It's changing. That's, it's the nature it's of cities. It's the nature of life. Yeah. Yeah, even countrysides change, honestly. Yeah. Not, not as fast. But I know that you've had some, um, you've done some really great reporting on just the, there's this like anger yeah. in the air right now. And it's, and I'd love it to learn more about this, but I've also heard some stories where you've actually kind of experienced some of the vitriol. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, 
there's like there's different things people are angry about, but I think they're all about change. And mm -hmm. I think people are angry about the, po the the change that I would consider positive, which is more people wanting to live here. And like it's not like the ghost town that it was. I mean, downtown it used to be. I mean, you'd go there and there'd be like practically tumbleweeds, like right. you know, at night. Um, but people are angry about that because they like their you know sort of Mayberry um, lifestyle. Yeah, right, right. Um, and then people are angry about the downside of being a really rich city, which is homelessness. Right. Without wanting to do anything. Without about wanting it. to do well, saying they want somebody to do something about it, but never identifying any solutions. So. Yeah, I mean, I've had like, I mean, I've gotten a ton of hate mail, and is that like organized or is it just random no. people who? Well, it's it's the the mail that's directly to me, like emails and you know, uh, Facebook Messenger messages and whatever, yeah. like that's random. But I mean, I've had people like target my, you know, people who are my freelance clients and call them and say, you know, you shouldn't. Uh, you shouldn't employ this person anymore, you know, because she has all these terrible beliefs about single family homeowners and she thinks single family homes are, you know, evil and, you know, she's never been in a Do single family neighborhood. Do you think single family homeowners are evil? No, of course not. <laughs> I mean, the, like, it's... A an, little! No, like, honestly, like, most of my friends, let's see, is that true? About half of my friends own homes, yeah. um, probably, probably a little more. Single family homes. Yeah. Uh, there's no condos here. Of course I know. Like, I grew up right. in a single family home. Um, That's just... The options that's available. But I think right? single family zoning is kind of evil. Oh, of course. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. And that's, <laughs> Which is a different thing. That's right. That's right. We talk about that all the time. And that's one of the central premises of this whole yeah. show, right? Is yeah, this yeah, idea yeah. that we're growing and the rules should be growing with us. I, why do people have such a hard time drawing that distinction? Between uh, between their lifestyle and like hate living the sinner, in a city? Not the, hate the sin, not the sinner. Oh, kind I of thing. see. Like people can't, they, they can't. If if they hear someone say let's upzone Madrona, yeah, they're they flip out. Yeah, I, why? I don't understand. I mean, I feel like it's like I mean that's like such a big question because it has to do with the internet and like the internet didn't used to give you such access to people and like if you're a journalist, you know, and you're doing your job, I think you should be accessible to people. I think that's a really important thing to like. Yeah. I mean, if people write me, I'm generally going to write them back. I respond to people on Twitter. Sometimes not all that nicely <laughs> yeah. but like you know oh, I watch but like <laughs> it, but it's um, I think it's just this feeling that you know you can say whatever you want to anybody at any time and get a rise out of them that didn't used to be there and, and it also feels like right now you know I went to that meet to a meeting in Ballard recently where people were just screaming oh yeah you, you did an article about that. Yeah. yeah and like and then I went to a meeting in South Lake Union and people were screaming but it actually felt I was kind of thinking like am I getting numb to this or is this just like a little more normal but it 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 has felt like the kind of Trump era you know the Trump rallies the way he talks about things the way like facts don't matter anymore yeah, and there's yeah. no such thing as truth like it feels like that's infected local politics in Seattle in this weird mm -hmm. way where like people you know are just convinced like oh SPD has a stand down order and they will never arrest a homeless person for anything up to including murder like that is something people believe and that's just categorically false yeah I mean, we see a homeless arrest all the time actually we do and like and and I mean what is true about it is you're not going to arrest a homeless person for being homeless and sitting on a bench that's not right. a crime right but, you know, but people extrapolate that to mean like, oh, SPD is under nefarious orders from the city council, which somehow controls them. And yeah. you just hear a lot more conspiracy theories than you used to. It's interesting. And maybe didn't that in some way start on the left, right? I mean, you could almost have it, it, Trump. I, I, I have this they put enough manis in me and I 
I'll really go off on this, but Trump is the the sort of like bastard child of this kind of postmodern idea that there's no truth, Mm -hmm. that everything is lived experience. And lived experience is extremely important and should be a context that informs truth. But if you go out and you say, well, there is no meta narrative, there's no truth, then Trump can take that, right, and and appropriate that and say, well, these are just... uh, Those are just alternative facts. They're just alternative facts. They're just pinheads that are saying numbers, but there's no global warming. Yeah. I don't experience any global warming, right? Yeah. Or whatever. Or whatever the thing is that he's saying, right? And so did that start on the left? I mean, I don't know. I grew up um, listening to Rush Limbaugh because that's what my dad was into. Like, Whoa. I have, yeah, oh yeah, my family's all, like, my parents and my immediate family is, is very Republican. Interesting. And very, very conservative. Yeah. And, you know, and at the same time, they're awesome and I love them. And, yeah, you know, that's it's humanity. Not a, yeah, that's just how family is. But yeah, I mean, Rush Limbaugh used to make shit up all the time. <laughs> and, like, and he had a pretty wide reach. So, I don't know. I mean, I feel like bringing it back to like the local level, I do think that one legitimate like, criticism that people have against the left, the people on the Seattle's version of the right have against the left is like they show up and they are um, sort of at a level of 100 on a scale of 100 at all times. So when you think about like Shama Swant's people showing up at city council meetings, like I get, I mean, their sort of reasoning is like, well, things are really bad. And so we have to we have to be really loud and disruptive. And I totally respect that argument. If you're not using that all the time for every single issue, no matter how big or small or how likely you are to win, or whether you're just trying to put pressure on one council member to like slightly change their position. And so there's this history of them doing it. And so then when the other side comes in and does it, they've lost a little ground in saying, well, you can't be so disruptive. That's really rude or whatever, because I mean, now everybody's doing now it. Now everybody's doing and, it. And, you know, and you can say, well, it's one side has a civility question all over again. But it's right? not even civility. Like, it's because I don't, I don't, I don't buy that you have to be civil. And I think you should be disruptive when it's called for. But, and, and I guess who am I to say? But, I mean, I don't think that they want to add, you know, uh, backyard apartments in some parts of town is like a reason to show up and like scream at people and not let and them do their jobs. Threats? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you've been threatened, I know. I, I yeah. have, yeah. yeah. I mean, is that, how does it feel? I mean... Like, r- real talk, like, I mean... Yeah, it... I, I mean, honestly, like, I was talking to somebody about this today. Like, I I don't feel, I mean, you know, I'm knocking wood. I don't feel like I've the, the threats that I've received have been, like, the kind of thing where I'm like, oh, my God, I need to move out of my super, home. Not super credible, like, to this Yeah, point, you know? but, I mean, I will say, I got home the other day, and my, um, my doorknob was off my apartment. Uh-huh. Like, somebody had had broken it and i mean that was my first thought and i mean it makes you paranoid Mm -hmm. when people are like saying you know you know you you should kill yourself or whatever um that you know somebody tried to break into my house right um i can see how people kind of go a little crazy right you know who get really bad threats but i guess like i i know people who have gotten really terrifying threats of course yeah and and what i've gotten is you know very Uh, much not that i mean yeah what do we even do to kind of st- I keep kicking you under the table? Oh, no, Sorry. that's all right. What do we even do to kind of step back and say, you know, as a city, I guess there's not really, you can't really police, and I don't mean literal SPD, yeah. but you can't kind of police for these exceptions. It's just part of a free society, I guess. But what do we do to kind of move the conversation away from where the frame is? Really pissed off people who don't make threats and really pissed off people who do. Like yeah. back to maybe like a more 
kind of common ground, you know? Well, I think it's kind of like when you look at the country and, you know, I think that like 30% of people we can kind of just write off. I mean, we meaning the moderate to left, center to left. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I mean, like they're never going to be with us. And then there's like 30% of people that are hard with us. And then there's this whatever. Well, they're so with us 40%. So that they're against us, right? Yeah. I mean, so maybe, cases, yeah. maybe. But like, but, but then there's like, there is a, there is a middle there. And so like on the local level, what I have found is I have never had a conversation one-on-one -on -one with somebody. I mean, with a few exceptions where like they're sort of being performative about like grabbing my arm and shaking me mm -hmm. and just wanting to yell in my face. And that has happened you know, quite a few times that, and it makes me leave meetings really fast because yeah, yeah. I don't want anybody shaking me. No, don't touch me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that sucks. Like, come on. But, but with, but with those exceptions, when I've actually just like talked to people and, and that's a labor intensive thing, yeah, yeah. but you know, it's like, oh, well actually, you know, they've, they've apologized for some things that they've said that were out of line. And I say things that are yeah, out of line sometimes right. too. And then I feel bad about them. And then I'm like, well, shit, I can't delete that from Twitter because then people will be like, and then she deleted it, but yeah. we got a screenshot. Yeah, right. right. But I, but I just, I, I mean, and I, I don't know the answer. I mean, I, I really feel like though, every time I've had communication with people, it's gone well. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, we might not have moved an inch on our positions, but at least we're not insulting each other personally. And do you think ironically that the, the, the gift of the internet is also the poison, right? Because you have all this access, but you're, that means that you don't have to see them in person. Yes, right? I know. I hate that. And then so then you're, you know, it, it, another great example that we've talked about here on the show before is there used to be, it was never a monopoly ever, but there was an oligarchy on information, mm -hmm. right? NBC, CBS, ABC, PBS, right? Sure. That was how you got news yeah and then print NPR. news npr sure well npr for radio and yeah, yeah yeah exactly and then print news you had your one local and your one national and then an all weekly often and i'm talking from 1960 to about 2000 right so you, you there was never a monopoly but there were sources mm -hmm. there were clear channels to from you, you know citizen to information and that caused um it probably meant that the information was more corporate than it needed to be and in many cases, like uh, certain privileges and powers were sort of exacerbated because things like how police did communities of color was just never making it into the narrative. Right. But the flip side is now that there's everything everywhere all the time, there's actually no pressure to get it right. There's not the same pressure yeah. to get it right. And anybody can just say anything. I think that's true. But, but then I'm thinking back to like when I was a teenager, which was in the 90s. And like, I mean, we got our two papers and we watched the news and whatever. Like, I was really into 2020 and I thought John Stossel was great or whatever. Yeah, libertarian guy. Yeah, yeah. Who, who I, of course I didn't know he's a libertarian and yeah. might not have even been at the time. I don't know. But like, but I also like, I remember like subscribing to all these magazines and reading zines. And like, I definitely, you know, decided I'm going to find out where my little like liberal bubble li lives. And go there. Yeah. And go there. So I'm like, I've, I subscribe to The Nation. I subscribe to The yeah, Progressive. Sure, sure. I subscribe to uh in these times and like oh wow fair uh had this uh public which was in fairness and accuracy and reporting yeah had this publication called extra and i was really into that and like i'm sure a lot of that stuff i was getting was you know i mean it was definitely filtered through this like far left lens and mm -hmm. also some of it was probably bullshit you know i mean so of course how could it not? yeah I mean, not everything all the time is but people it, have always created their bubbles is all i'm saying and, and like it's definitely gotten but the, worse but with the, fox now the news. bubbles have popped 
or, or it's not that they've popped. It's that the the bubbles have now so much ability to reach into your brain. That's true. That the thing that built consensus, which was in its own way problematic, the fact that there were only three networks and right. they were all sort of like... You had like a shared reality. You had a shared reality, you know, and even though that reality had some flaws in it, right? We just discussed those, but it was, at least it was a shared reality. At least we understood, we had a consensus about truth, right? Like, yeah. And you could argue and say that fact that Walter Cronkite just reported was wrong. And you would have the argument, but it was like this middle point of, of understanding, right? Now... Well, and I would say, like, I would say locally, our example of that is, you know, we have a radio station and uh, Cairo that and, and a website, My Northwest, that is like, I mean, it's like both kind of like, I mean, they, they should be their tagline should be we only tell the bad news. Like, it's just like, it's like, uh, you know, oh, my God, homeless, probably homeless man. I don't know. He looked homeless, according to somebody who saw him anyway, attack somebody. And this is like proof that we need to arrest all homeless people. Right. And no context. No, like, and right. on the same and day, there were. Does a eight, and then Dory Monson does a thing about it. And J Jason Rance does a thing about it. Yeah. And then it gets picked up on Safe Seattle. And it's just this, like, this, yeah, you know, huh. ever, it's like this, um hurricane that gets yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger right six six republicans in seattle and yet somehow this major conduit to people's brains is yeah is, uh, and that's our fox yeah. news yeah. in a weird yeah. way it, in a weird way you're absolutely even though right. it's on the radio yeah but then and and i say this as a card-carrying progressive like uh early i spent my 20s organizing for both candidates and causes right uh, i think I, I have my cred you know but then you get you know the stranger will occasionally running a, a piece that, that there's that, I'm, I'm being hesitant to criticize them <laughs> for for reason for many reasons you know they're like right can, over there they yeah can they're right over the there wall. they can hear through the wall i love dan savage like whatever but but even something that they do that i actually wrote a letter to the editor that in their credit they published they ran an endorsement for moon they endorsed moon mm -hmm. but we're so kind of untethered from source of truthness if that's the right word yeah that the two people who supported oliver or three or whatever had to get to write an endorsement. Oh, I know. They've been, yeah. It's like, well, then what the fuck is the point of an endorsement? Yeah. They, like they should just write the endorsement or not write the endorsement. Right. And, and this is again, it comes to this like, what's the truth? Well, the if the truth of that context is that we had a vote in the editorial room, and we endorsed Moon, they shouldn't have written the Oliver endorsement. I just I don't take endorsements by newspapers ter too seriously because I it, know how the process works. But isn't it indicative though of this like what's the what the hell's the point of endorsement? I, yeah, I mean, but do you do you read people shouldn't be reading endorsements and basing their votes on them? I mean, it's an interesting entirely on them anyway. I mean, I'm just it, I'm just reminded of this time in um, like in my first job. It was like '99 or something. Oh wait, let's see, no, 2000. Duh, mm -hmm. it was presidential election. And first, I remember we uh, endorsed Al Gore, mm -hmm. and somebody wrote that endorsement. And then I guess the editor had been on vacation. He came back, and he was like, oh, my God, what the hell did you do? <laughs> and said, in the next week, we endorsed Ralph Nader. And then all of us on the news staff revolted, and we were like, no, 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 we need to endorse Al Gore. And it became this whole thing. And so then we just rescinded both endorsements. And that was happening, like, what is that, almost 20 years yeah, ago? Yeah, that's, you, you may well be right. I mean, the way that editorial endorsements get made is so, like, chaotic and right. dumb and based on, I mean, honestly, like, based on who's there that day, mm -hmm. that, like, I just, I look at them and I'm like, well, this is I know who horse, wrote this. So you're, you're killing me because this is the thing I complain to everybody. 
I, I just I can't believe the fucking stranger like did a dissent yeah, endorsement. Don't it take it so seriously. But I, you know, I, if you're telling me not to, I guess I have to listen because you know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, look at any of those Seattle Times endorsements about or like the the thing that that they wrote the other day that was so stupid. It was like about the single family starter home that you know we have to like you you know allow people to build single fam- to to buy single family starter homes in Seattle, and that's why we need to preserve single family zoning. Why not allow them to buy? duplexes or well i mean and there's no such thing as a single family starter not home in, in seattle yeah. like and i just looked at that and i was like oh yeah i know who wrote that like whatever he's you know it, it's prior dudley because mm. i know he was saying that to people in their endorsement process because they all complained about it and right. so right. like i don't know whatever yeah, got it but it's... i realize not everybody has that inside uh, inside ish perspective right and then some people are reading for i i know this is like a cop-out but some people are busy it's right true. and you read the news to it's a it's an exchange of, of of money for value right like i will pay you a little bit or maybe i'll click and the ad will pay you right and then in exchange you're going to do some reporting and you're going to give me information and yeah so and some people are busy and they don't know who to vote for for seventh district you know that's true council. and on the on the flip side i'll argue against myself because i've written a lot of endorsements and i feel so strongly about them and when i've written them like and when I've argued for an endorsement position at a newspaper, which, you know, I don't work at a newspaper anymore. I can endorse whoever I want. But like, when I've been in that room, I have taken it so seriously and like, you know, almost uh-huh. burst into tears. And right, like, it's like right. so important in the moment. And right. it just seems like and it has to be the best written thing in the world. So I can see both sides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, who knows if they have an impact? I, I will say that when I write something on even like social media, Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to do it every two years. I try to say, hey, if you're listening, here's what who I'm voting for. I feel like it makes a difference. Like a very small, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, in my little bubble, I might flip, or not flip, it's not that they were for, it, I think I might net five yeah. new votes for, you know, I was for Feral. I'll say that. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, and that's important. And, and five, I think but five But it's people, people who know you. Right, right. It's but, not like... But the proxy would be the newspaper. Yeah. It's wider reach, right? So and you know get, their brand. And you know their brand, yeah. So you're like either like, fuck the Seattle Times, I'll do the opposite. Or <laughs> right, like, or, or, or the stranger or whatever. The stranger is yeah. generally reliable, so yeah. I'll just vote their straight totally. ticket. Totally, yeah. yeah. And the stranger was bitankstual, right? Wasn't that their thing for burning in? Oh, Bernie yeah, that's right. Like, that was the one I was trying to think of. They were yeah, in the tank was, for both Bernie that and That was Hillary. actually, that was such bullshit. So they were bitankstual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it makes sense. And you have so much more experience. Like you've been in more. Uh, I was a journalist too, but I was a. I wrote in a federal policy journal. Okay. That so totally. We're not doing dry. endorsements. We're dry. We're writing about like whether this it was a tech and telecom policy. Mm-hmm. So it was totally different. And we're writing about like whether this uh, where this bill is in the in what committee this bill is going to come out of, and did the head of the committee what did he right. have to say about when it's going to go to vote? And totally, totally different. Right? Yeah. That being said, you know, you do see even in those editorial rooms, like what to cover, what hot button issues, how to write about them and stuff. So I can imagine that I can see why they might have felt the need, you know, again, with my pet peeve, right, to say, all right, these this is a moment, the Nikita moment, right? Well, I also think, I mean, in that specific example, like, I actually think they should have endorsed Nikita because it was their new staff that wanted to endorse her. And the new staff is 
going to be. I mean, those are, you know, if you have like an editorial board that includes, and this is just my bias as a news person. Can you help us understand that? Like w when you say the news staff, you mean versus the editors? Um, versus like the art staff and people who aren't necessarily like on the ground. I mean, I would, I would say that like the city <laughs> okay. hall reporter on city hall issues should maybe get like two votes. I mean, not literally, but like the people who are actually reporting on city issues really know those issues. And oh. while, while I don't agree with that particular endorsement, like myself personally, if they had endorsed Nikita, that's not who I would have endorsed. But I think I would have been more honest to like to who their news their news brand or what their news brand is. Right, and that person has expertise. Yeah, right? yeah. Although then you get into the whole. I mean, like, is an arts person an expert? No. No. Right. <laughs> no, just, that's no, my opinion. No, not not on City Hall. You're absolutely right. Like, the, so there is. But then you get into one of the other things that I think we do here in, in Seattle politics. I'm curious about your opinion on this. Because expertise can, emphasis can, mm -hmm. be used as a kind of a tool of the already empowered yes. to discredit uh, the, the people who seek power. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, she's never done it before, right? The flip side of that, though, is now I feel like in our politics, we've completely written off expertise. And like, it's people who understand how to operate inside a, a, a city government, for example, are often like shunted to the side fairly rapidly yeah i mean i i think and i think sometimes it, to some extent like in some jobs it doesn't matter as much like city council i mean i i love covering the city council i think that they're what, usually more interesting people like just because they're usually a little bit less polished and they're you elected know, officials period right? yeah it was just like coming out of like i mean they haven't been elected officials before it's usually their first elected job and like that's it's not a beginner position at all like it's not an entry-level position but there are a lot of things that quali that can qualify you for it that aren't politics but being the mayor is definitely not an entry-level position and people who and i think this is something jenny durkin is struggling with because while she has a lot of experience it's not all necessarily relevant experience to like <laughs> right. being a manager of you know right. however many ten thousand twelve thousand people she was a, what a, a prosecutor yeah she's a prosecutor so you, you i mean she had a team she was a manager of like right, dozens sure. of people but it's just so different when well, you the have to fill clear. departments the goal of a prosecutor is clear is get is win in court yeah right Beat here the bad guy even the goals are not clear sometimes well you have to set the goals right. i mean that's yeah, the thing and exactly. like and depart and there's so many departments and you're, you know, mayors come in, they're tempted to reorganize everything, but they don't always know what exactly they want. And then there's the bureaucracy, like, doesn't want to change. And right. it's yeah, just you like try a, to put it into it's a lot year. harder yeah. than people realize oh, to be yeah. mayor. Like, yeah. and wouldn't wish it on my worst. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. it's so that was like, that's a, an office I think we could benefit from a little more experience. Mm hmm you know, than, mm -hmm. than even necessarily city council. Cause sure. you know, like when Kirsten Harris Talley was a temporary city council member, she came in, she was, um, you know, not a politician, somebody who is an activist who worked for a reproductive rights organization, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, really like you look at her and if you, if you, if you didn't listen to her talk for even a second, you, you know, you might just think like looking at her resume, like, well, this isn't necessarily someone who's qualified. She came in, she was, I mean, and again, I don't necessarily agree with all of her policy positions, but she was amazing. She like owned it. She owned it. Yeah. And like, and, and I saw her at this, at that same Ballard meeting I was talking about. And what's she, she doing now? She is, I believe she's back at Surge, but there's a rumor that she's going to, which is her organization. Yeah. And uh, there's a rumor that she's going to run against uh, Bruce Harrell or for his position if he doesn't run again. So down in District yeah. 2. Yeah, yeah. But at that meeting in Ballard, she was like the moderator, quote unquote, although like there was no moderation going on. By the end, it was, yeah. She was, I mean, she just did 
such a good job of staying like poised under people screaming yeah, at just her. Yeah, just absolute disaster. And just yeah. being like, and just being like, you know what? I'm just going to ignore all that, and we're going to talk like people, and I'm going to talk to you as if you're being reasonable. And like, yeah. Mike O'Brien is back there, like you know, kind of quaking his boots a little bit, right. and. So you just never know. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. you know, she was just like so killer. And then folks that you think are going to be exactly the right fit sometimes would fall apart too under yeah. pressure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not it's... not not wanting to name any names because yeah, some of them are still on the council. Right. But, There's yeah. some of that right now. Yeah, agreed. Hey, what do you have coming up? Like, what what would you want listeners to just check in on you with? I mean, I work in kind of a daily business, but I am doing some work on. Um, I'm looking into. Um, how things are going with some of the stuff that we modeled our homelessness system on here um, down in San Francisco, including the Navigation Center down there, which is like their low barrier shelter. It's turned out... What is a low barrier shelter? It just means that you can come in if you have active addiction problems and also if you... Uh, or if you have active mental illness. Stuff that's often filtered stuff out. Stuff that's in... keeping you from staying in an ordinary shelter. And yeah. like a lot of times it's like, one of the biggest problems that kept people out of shelters, I was really surprised by, is that they have a lot of stuff, and people, it's, pe- people have a lot of stuff. Have, yeah. yeah, like just tr- like huge amounts of stuff, and like it's apparently I'm, what they were telling me is like it's this coping mechanism. It's like the thing you can control is like yeah. I have these four shopping carts. Yeah, and yeah. and they bring all that crap in. I mean, that's you know their possessions, you know, and you and I might look at it and say this is trash, right. but they give them a place to store it. Mm-hmm. At least they did. Now, it's turned into a little bit of a different situation because they're having trouble getting people out of the system and into housing for the same reasons we have here, which is that we don't have affordable housing. <laughs> right, right. So, um, so I'm kind of, I'm going down to check on uh, what their, what their situation is and how they're coping. Do some, some long-term reporting. On yeah, that. yeah. And just kind of, kind of look, because we have navigation centers here now mm-hmm. and we're and right here behind them. Where can people check out your work? The csforcrank.com. Right. The sis for crank is how I've read that for like two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, um, (laughs) you've never heard that before? No. Oh, my God. Yeah. My friends and I talk about the sis for crank all the time. That's so crazy. I've never even noticed that. But it's the C, and that's your middle name. That's my middle initial. I'm assuming someone said that to you. Is that the backstory there? Um, No. People um, always speculated on what the C stood for, Mm -hmm. as you can probably imagine. Um, They had lots of creative (laughs) guesses. So that's why I I had a column by that name in Publicola when I was. Josh and I went on to form this website called Puppicola. Right. That was my column. Now it's my blog. Um, thinking about rebranding it. Um, mm-hmm. If anybody happens to listen to this, wants to drop me a line with a suggestion. Nothing, nothing, nothing with the word crank, yeah. ideally, because some people think it's about drugs also. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. That would never even cross <laughs> my mind. I just think no, of, me a, neither. of a crank like a... Like a uh, someone who stands up at, in Ballard and screams his lungs out at you <laughs> and doesn't want to have, you know, discourse. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate yeah, it. Oh, of course. It's really fun. We like to end every episode with a segment <laughs> we call, If You Care About, You Should. Yes. Fill in the blanks. If you care about homelessness, you should support getting rid of single-family zoning. Easy. And <laughs> probably preaching to the choir. Eric, I see Pandering. Right. Thank you so much. I thank really you. appreciate it. That was Erica C. Barnett. Check her out at the C is for crank.com. She's done some really good stuff, and I think we should um, just chip in, be part of the community, check her out, the water, all that good stuff. 
Thanks as always to the Subcons for their music throughout the episode. Thanks to Anthony McPherson for the dope opening poem sample. Thanks to Brandon and Naboo for sound support. This has been a Cascadia Underground production. I am your host, Ian Martinez. See you next week for Upzones.